Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief over at arrowheadpride.com, joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. And John, even though, look, you are an older man, you're a fairly new dog dad. How's the, <laughs> how's the dog life going for you? Well, well, we'll know here shortly. He's outside barking now. He finds random things to bark at all the time. So um, he's doing okay, though. He's, he's, he's done very well with the toilet training, which is good, but he's still chewing up everything in sight. So we're having all kinds of fun with that. I know we're always trying to compare and evaluate things on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. I think if you had to rank what you'd want out of your dog, you would take the toilet training over the chewing and, and Pro- work work backwards yeah, from there. Probably, probably. He hasn't chewed up a pair of headphones yet. A, a puppy in my previous life has uh, chewed up a set of my, my favorite headphones. That was a problem. Well, so, that would be detrimental to the Arrowhead Pride Editor show. So he's probably a fan. Be. I'm sure he does listen to it from time to time yeah. in the Dixon household. Right. And let's get into the Arrowhead Pride Editor show. We have a good show for you ahead. Not the greatest news to talk about first. I think you know what that is. We will go through our highlights of the mandatory mini camp quotes, the five quotes that stand out. And then we'll play a game in segment three, a surprise cut and a lottery winner. And so we'll be talking about some fringe players that we're interested in watching for your Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, please rate and review us. We're rebuilding, we're relocking, we're reloading. This Arrowhead Pride podcast network have a lot of great shows. We've launched the Arrowhead Drive, so we appreciate every rating and review uh, in your support. All right, John, we have to get into it here, and it's not something that's fun uh, to get into. News, News on Monday broke where it was TMZ. Never a good sign when TMZ is connected with your team. Uh, Frank Clark arrested in Los Angeles for illegal firearm possession. I'll read it here. Frank Clark, one of the best players in the league, was arrested Sunday after cops say he had an Uzi in his Lambo SUV. TMZ Sports has learned. Law enforcement sources tell us Clark was pulled over for a routine traffic stop Sunday evening when cops say they noticed an open duffel bag in his ride. Our sources say Officers saw the firearm inside the bag and arrested the 28-year-old for felony illegal possession of a firearm. So Sam McDowell, friend of mine, Kansas City Star, he dug right in, uh, apparently started making some calls, talked to a spokesperson for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department and said that Clark was released Monday afternoon on bond. But then McDowell also noted later in the evening that Clark was also previously arrested in March on a gun charge during a traffic stop. Uh, And then TMZ also added a a new piece of information later in the afternoon saying that the weapon belongs to a member of the security team. We're told uh, attorney Alex Spiro will represent Clark moving forward in the case. So that's two gun related arrests in California. We didn't even really know about the one in March until this one made people research yesterday. Hmm. Not a great offseason. And I've noted this, especially for a player who just last Tuesday Went on to that Zoom media availability, and I think to his credit, it seemed at the time, really understood how important this year is for his career after what he basically admitted was a pretty big off year for him. And he had mentioned not meeting his goals, the 10 sacks, which is always a goal. He even talked about potentially getting 15 and 20 sacks. And all we have right now is a likely suspension when you look at the two arrests the personal conduct policy for the NFL has laxed in recent years with the new CBA, but there are sometimes situations where they're not going to ignore it. And the NFL 
spokesperson Brian McCarthy has already confirmed that this will be under the conduct policy. They will be reviewing it. And so I think you're looking at two to four games. I know there's a lot of folks out there and perhaps rightly so who say this and that about gun laws. The truth of the matter is, and and this is how I feel about it. If you have a gun in California, you got to know the rules. You got to follow the rules. Uh, And it, it, it right now, from the facts that we have that does not seem like Clark was necessarily following those rules, which led to the two arrests. And now the chiefs are going to have to deal with whatever comes of it. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that there's still a lot of information. We don't know about this. Of course. Uh, yeah. And, and, and um, uh, so we need to be careful about jumping to too many conclusions about Agreed. Completely and, agree. and I think you're right that the likely thing is that we'll see some kind of suspension at some point in the future, maybe this season, maybe it won't be until next season, depending on how long this process plays out in California. Um, and well, that's even, not to cut you off here, quick, but that, that's one thing that's changed recently with the NFL and teams is there seems to be a little bit more patience before punishment. Whereas right. it used to be right when they started getting involved with off the field matters, it was really mm-hmm. quick. And we saw the NFL make some mistakes. So that's a good point by you, which I have not even mentioned is who knows this could come in for the 22 season. Right. It could. And it's even possible that there could be no disciplinary action from the NFL at all. I mean, you know, again, these things we don't know about this case right. at this point, um, you know, maybe in just a matter of a few days, uh, we learn things about it that make this less of a big deal for Clark. So, I, you know, we shouldn't get ourselves too worked up about it. But I agree with what you said uh, in that, you know, if you've got a gun in your possession, you need to know the rules in whatever right. state you're in. And if Clark failed to do that, then the police were right to do what they did. And so, uh, you know, it's not just in California. That's true anywhere you are. You know, Uh, they have different gun laws in California than they have in other parts of the country. And uh, and he's from there. He should know what they are. It's not like he was in, you know, West Alabama or something when this happened. So um, it's it's a bad situation. It's a terrible thing to have to talk about. But, you know, yesterday there were three incidents involving NFL players. Um, We had a rookie defensive lineman for the uh, Vikings, Jalen Twyman, who was shot four times. Now the the word is that it was, uh, he was a, uh, an innocent bystander, the wrong place, wrong time type. Right. Of thing right. From the agent. And he's expected to recover fully. They're flesh wounds apparently. And then, uh, the, another rookie for the Cardinals, Zayvon Collins was arrested for reckless driving in Arizona. So this is what we see happen pretty regularly right after minicamp when these players go back home and, uh, you know, get away from the routine that they've been in with the team and they've got time off before training camp begins. It's not that unusual for us to see multiple incidents in the first couple of days after that. These are all young men. Uh, You know, I'm glad I don't have to have people looking at uh, with a microscope at what I was like in my twenties. Right. (laughs) So, uh, you know, and this, this is a, a nightmare for for coaches. I mean, you look at yeah. Andy is as oh. early sixties. Uh, this is the last thing he wants. I, even yeah. even if the players just had to stay in Kansas City and they did video meetings and were off the field, I think Andy Reid would prefer that each and every member of his ninety man roster was uh, with him and could mm-hmm. have something to do and, and things like that. But again. Uh, yeah, in your 20s and and agreed with you 100%. Uh, there is a responsibility to being an NFL player. That's why they make so yep. much money. Uh, we mm-hmm. will, again, and I think that's the, the best thing you said about this. We don't know a ton of information, but as we get information about it, we will continue to pass it along at arrowheadpride.com. I tend to think uh, there's a possibility for a suspension. Uh, who knows if it's yeah. this year or next year. I think the Chiefs will now have to prepare like they may not have Frank Clark for the first two weeks, which would be the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. And it, it's interesting because they could have really used Frank Clark in those games. Yeah. I, again, we don't know what we're, we're going to see. And we've talked a lot about Chris Jones and being on the outside. Imagine if he had not been on the outside, the Chiefs may have to just put him on the outside for these games that Clark may not be available because mm-hmm. they need that impact player uh, along the edge and it does impact the team. I was asked this morning during my 
usual 610 hit. Well, what do you think the Chiefs would do if they they don't have Frank Clark? They have some depth candidates that can get them through the game. I, I look at Taco Charlton coming off that injury. Mike Dana, we, we have discussed Tim Ward on this program where uh, the Chiefs have probably kept Tim Ward around for a reason. And it for him to potentially step up, I think, in a situation like this, you have a rookie in, in Josh Kando. And so there are some options there. What I reminded people on the radio this morning, and I'll reiterate here, is the fact that, look, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. Let's not forget that. We shouldn't forget mm-hmm. that in Kansas City. I don't yeah. think anyone's forgotten that in Kansas City. It's gotten a little forgotten nationally. It's amazing. But I think that's because of how much Mahomes and the Chiefs struggled in the Super Bowl because of that offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I think just people forgot that you put Patrick Mahomes with 52 men on the street. Look, I'm exaggerating here. You put him with 52 <laughs> men on the street. He's going to have a chance to win the football game, right? Against mm-hmm. most teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have this almost historic front and they're playing their best football at the right time. And at the same time, the Chiefs, I'm going to be mean here, had five men on the street that were protecting Patrick Mahomes. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think nationally, we forgot how good Patrick Mahomes is. I mean, it might be a situation where Mahomes is up 14, 21 points quickly on the Browns and Ravens, especially if we think this offense is going to click. So it gives you a little bit more wiggle room if Mike Dana is your opposing edge player to Chris Jones. Much more serious off the field. I, I think we always have to say that. But from an on-the-field standpoint, my worry level, if you're not without Frank Clark, even against two playoff teams and the Browns and the Ravens, man, I'm at like a three out of ten. I am not worried at all. Well, that's pretty confident there. Seeing as how the TMZ article said he was one of the biggest stars don't, in the league. <laughs> don't fall into it, John, because don't fall into it. And I, I, I'm telling you, it's happened nationally because I watch these programs, yeah. which is like Get mm-hmm. Up and Good Morning Football. Schrager hasn't forgotten. Our boy, Peter yeah. Schrager, yeah. has not forgotten. But the rest of the panelists and people have, you know, they've kind of cooling a little bit on Patrick Mahomes. It's like, don't forget. This was right. the only game in his pro career that he lost by more than one score. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I don't know. Mahomes is like you walk into the kitchen. Oh, my God. We talked about your dog. What did Willie do? Well, guess what? You have the magic <laughs> eraser. Patrick Mahomes is that magic eraser that you buy in Walmart and he cleans up anything, any kind of problem that you may have. And so that's why I'm not really worried about it. I, I think because Mahomes makes your team go one dimensional, especially in the regular season when it's not these final four playoff teams, um, when the Chiefs are just so far ahead offensively of other teams. So I, I feel okay about it. I know we're, look, it's June 22nd. We have a long way to go to September. We're going to find out a lot about this team during training camp. But even without Frank Clark, I think you're fine for those first couple of weeks. Well, and I would also point out, and I'm not necessarily ascribing to this view, but there are a lot of Chiefs fans who are way down on Frank Clark and think he makes way too much money and doesn't have the production to justify that contract. And a lot of those people who feel that way are constantly dragging him down. Well, if that's how you feel, then what does it matter if he misses a couple of games? So, right. you know, and I, and again, and a lot I'm of not- people would say, and, and maybe joke, and maybe this isn't the time to joke with him getting arrested, but the, you know, some chiefs fans would be like, well, the chiefs didn't have Frank Clark last year, you know, in right. a sense, especially yeah. during the regular season or uh, saying, Oh, can you void this contract? I think a little too soon to jump to all those conclusions. Right. I agree. Let the information come out. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, again, I just don't think the worry on the field is anything right now for the Chiefs. John, I want to move on to Lewis Riddick. And this was something uh, I wrote up for Arrowhead Pride within the week uh, since our last program. And whenever Lewis Riddick says something, I think we got to pay attention. We know his relationship with Brett Beach and Andy Reid having been a personnel member Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was actually the pro personnel director for the Eagles from 2010 to 2012 before the two guys came to Kansas City. I'm going to read the tweets right now. Been saying the Chiefs could have their best OL they have had since Mahomes has been there in 2021. And that could be with two rookie starters, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. Oh, and they like fifth round tight end Noah Gray from Duke. They like him a lot. Important to point out here because... We've, we've said Humphrey. I've, I've said it a million times. I don't have to go back into it. I think Humphrey is your center. Right guard is wide open. I know, John, you feel a little bit differently about this, but I think it is worth noting that Trey Smith was mentioned by name here with Lewis mm-hmm. Riddick, who has yep. such deep connections to Reed and Veach. 
you know that they are at least considering Smith for that right guard position. And yeah. that's going to be my number one or or at least in the top three battles to watch entry training camp is Trey Smith versus around Duvernay Tardif. Yeah, I think it's important to to recognize uh, the relationship that Riddick has with Reed and Veach yep. and and realize that this is a report that we need to pay attention to. And that's not true of every report that comes out of a national reporter. But I think in this particular case, with this particular team, when Riddick says something like this, this is something we should be paying attention to. And, uh, you know, I wrote up my uh, third offensive line projection uh, of the offseason yesterday and Riddick's statements had a lot to do with how yeah. I now have it. You know, I see Trey Smith and uh, Duvernay Tardif as pretty much even chances to yeah. get the the starting job uh, in week one. And and that's moved up quite, I mean, you know, I've, I have been saying Duvernay Tardif is the guy to beat all along and I still think so, but it's really close to 50, 50 right now, largely on the basis of this report. I think that's how much credence we need to give it. Yeah. And, one thing I want to point out, too, in covering this team, and we are fortunate to get the assistant coaches every so often. I believe the Chiefs run them mm-hmm. out like once every four weeks during the regular season and a couple of times during the offseason. We got Andy Heck. I love Andy Heck. He's yeah. Mr. Reliable. I know you do, John. Uh, at the podium, he's kind of just like a calm guy. He's not trying to get too in his emotions, but I wish I had it pulled up. I don't. But his quote about Trey Smith where he starts talking about him and he's mentioned he loves football. He loves to compete. He's an extremely physical person. Now, how fast can he learn our system, learn our techniques? This was as excited as I've ever seen Andy Heck answering a question. And his level is probably about like a four or five. That's the max that you're going to get from Andy Heck as far as excitability. But you could tell as he's saying Trey has starting guard in his future. I think Heck realizes it's his challenge to get him as close to that as possible by week one. And the beauty of this is we get to watch it, or we presume, I I believe we're going to be able to watch it in what will be St. Joe, Kansas City. I know they're still figuring that out. We think St. Joe, but each and every day. I mean, that's the awesome part about the world normalizing is we're going to be able to watch these practices on a day-to-day basis. And we're going to be able to see is Trey Smith ready or, or not? And he's going to be facing what has been a really, really improved defensive line, which I think is a big part of figuring out who wins this right guard position as well. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm totally with you on, on Andy Hicks analysis of it and, uh, and where we are with this player. Uh, you know, I've said many times already that uh, there's a very good chance he's going to be seen as the steal of this draft uh, far and away. I mean, he, yeah, uh, he, he is, uh, I think as we go down the road here, we're going to see this player as a guy the Chiefs just made an amazing deal to get. Do we uh, give him the Legarius Sneed Award already? Are you ready to do that? <laughs> we've not, we've no, now named a, any day three player that stands out for the Chiefs yeah. in the next decade is the Legarius Sneed Award winner. Yeah, yeah, so, okay. All right, so we'll see. We'll see. But if, he's way uh, back there in the sixth round, though. That's That's what's most amazing about it. It's not just that he's a day three guy. He's late on day three. You know, and um, well, it's what, kind what, of amazing what, to me he lasted that long. What's interesting about that is the dip is blamed on these medical reasons where he had mm-hmm. blood clotting. And I know that Brandon Kiley has said on show and BK, he's kind of pointed out that there were some inconsistencies in his final mm-hmm. season on plays in Tennessee. Okay, right. But then the Chiefs come out with the, the medical stuff, which was the primary reason that, he, that he's fallen, right? And they just pretty much refute it. They're like, nah, we mm-hmm. checked it out. And yeah. so if that's the case, the Chiefs got a first rounder in the sixth round or, or a potential late first round, early second rounder right. in right. the sixth round. So when you're a first or second rounder, you know, you take that medical away, you can easily start. That's why we're saying that about Creed Humphrey in the second round. Like you could easily start on day one. And so that's it's a very, very interesting and unique scenario where who knows, maybe Smith is that guy. It also means there's a lot of pressure on Rick Burkholder right now. If he's wrong about Correct. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a starter midway through week one. Yeah. It's like, Oh, right. Oh, Smith's having some, some issues again. Yes. Right. Uh, Rick, Rick is, is tended to be willing to accept whatever risk that, that he's had. And, and, but I think so many decades in the NFL, 
he believes mm-hmm. in, in his evaluations. And so you can kind of understand that. All right. So that's your, your news uh, in the NFL covered Frank Clark. And of course, Lewis Riddick mentioning the three rookies. When we come back here on the Airhead Pride Editor Show, we'll get into the five quotes that stood out from mandatory minicamp. Stay with us. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are in the dead period of the offseason. So we had our final media availability until late July on Thursday during mandatory minicamp. It's more than once a week. The Chiefs speak Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So we had a lot of quotes to work with. I think the most important thing, and I kind of hinted at it in our first segment, is the idea of Patrick Mahomes being completely healthy. Don't forget that he had that off-season turf toe injury. He was asked if he foresees any potential problems moving forward from that injury. I don't see any problems moving forward. Obviously, I want to continue with the rehab, continue to work on those state things, uh, strengthen it and do all that different type of stuff. Um, but I felt like I, I did, had a good OTAs, a good mini camp. I was able to move around, scramble around, and do the things that I needed to do. We were cautious with him, and he, he'll, he'll do anything. And so, um, you know, it's just a matter that we were we were smart, trying to be as smart as we possibly could with it. And and his communication was great. He kept it open with us and we checked with him to make sure and see how he was doing during practices. And not just the first day, but you, you want to check on third day, too. So uh, to see how he's doing. And uh, he, he made it through. I think this was good for him. Um, and then we'll just see how he feels once we get up to camp. But he sure got a lot of work done here and he came out feeling pretty good so so far so good in that final part by reed it it did seem like there may be some easing in and i think that's to be expected at training camp i don't know how many reps as far as a lot of the running around mahomes is going to get i mean the quarterback position is unique anyway in the sense that they wear these yellow jerseys you're never really getting hit at practice at all as a quarterback The, the hits come in the preseason games worth watching how much compared to usual seasons Mahomes gets in the preseason games. I think that first preseason game will, will tell us early. Okay. Where is he truly at? Yeah. We talked about Rick Burkholder a minute ago and and that must be frustrating for him to have a player like Patrick Mahomes, who's always going to go out there and want to play. You know, this is a guy who wanted to go back out on the field after he dislocated his kneecap. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, I wanted to play the next game and then the game right. after that, and they had to right. say, tell him no. Yeah, right. And you love that as a fan. You love to see that dedication from a player, but you also have to question it because it's like, well, okay, is that a smart thing for you to do? And so it must be hard uh, for somebody like Rick Burkholder to to have to deal with that situation and say, look, you've got to rehab this thing. You've got to do these things, or you know, we're, we're going to have problems. And then have Mahomes going, oh. I'm fine. Let's go out there. Let's let's do this thing. We know that Mahomes likes to work out in the offseason in Tyler, Texas, his hometown with Bobby Stroop. And mm-hmm. this is an expert trainer style guy. I'm, I'm sure I'm not getting his proper title correct, but he is partly credited with some of the arm angles and the motions that Patrick Mahomes can can do. I know what comes to mind is when Mahomes was vertical in the Super Bowl and still mm-hmm. throwing it into I believe it was Tyree Kill's helmet yeah, in the end zone. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, so those arm angles and those different types of, of throws um, is credited to Stroop. So 
Mahomes also revealed that Burkholder will be in communication with Stroop as they begin to rehab and and making sure uh, that Mahomes isn't overstraining himself as he tries to recover from this thing. I, if I'm Burkholder, I'm a little nervous about that. You know, I, I'm not watching uh, the most important <laughs> player in the National Football League who I'm supposed to be in charge of, but. At the same time, I, I think there is a lot of trust between Mahomes' staff, personal staff, and the chief staff. And that's grown throughout the years. And, and I think Mahomes is going to be smart about this. I think he should be 100% by week one. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's just that he thinks he's 100% now because he always does. <laughs> Get ready to be fired up because here is tight end Travis Kelsey. I think right now everybody's more motivated now than than we were uh, before we won a Super Bowl. You know, our... our I think everybody's still got a bad taste in our mouth on how we finished the season last year. Um, and it's just, you know, that's fuel on the fire. We got a lot of guys flying around right now, uh, excited to come to practice, excited to go to work, and, uh, and excited to try and get this thing rolling the, in the right direction early and keep it in that direction. But I think uh, for the most part, the mentality has always been the same, man. We're going to go into this season trying to win every single football game, uh, whether home or away. And, uh, and with that mentality, man, the sky's the limit, man. We'll let the we'll let everything else everything else play out how it goes. Man, I miss the old Travis Kelsey, the one that would say that the referee got his uniform from a footlocker. <laughs> this is media darling Travis Kelsey, who is 31. He's a veteran. He knows exactly what to say. I understand where he's coming from. I'm I'm joking around. This has to fire you up as a Chiefs fan, the fact that he really is expressing that they feel more motivated than ever. Yeah, you got to love that attitude from uh, any team, actually, yeah. uh, especially when it's the Chiefs, is from our perspective. Uh, <laughs> that is funny. I do, I do buy it a little bit. I do yeah, buy it a little yeah. bit. They, in a natural sense, feel a little hungrier this year. And I think Patrick Mahomes probably did notice or understand in a sense, like during last year's regular season, it did at times feel like they were a little, I don't want to say unmotivated, but bored comes to mind where, you know, they were going through the motions. And that's also amazing that they were still able to rip 14 wins out of that. And so, you know, such a big deal has been made about the 20 and 0. I think it's less about the 20 and 0 and more like Mahomes trying to send the message to his team immediately. We're going to come and we're going to roll teams and come out mm -hmm. in every game. Yeah. Just because we're playing, sorry, John Gruden, I'm going to keep doing it to you. The two and six Raiders <laughs> doesn't mean we roll out sluggish and get upset on our yeah. own field by not being within tune of the game. And so, yeah, I think a lot of other fan bases, and you've seen nationally, are like, oh, here, here go the Chiefs. They're going to be 20 and 0, whatever. They didn't, weren't even able to beat Tom Brady. I think it's less about. Mahomes saying that to the rest of the league than saying it to his own room. I agree. I think that's a very good point. Um, you want that in your quarterback. You want a guy who is working to motivate the entire team uh, in every level that's possible. And I, I think that's an excellent interpretation of what his remarks were. Now, I also think Andy Reid did a, a good job of explaining it. You know, they asked him about what the next challenge would be. Well, what challenges are left? Right. You know, except for for going after an undefeated season. So, you know, those points are both valid, but I think it 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 shows the kind of leader Mahomes is that he's always thinking about those angles. All right, let's move on to the running back here. A lot has been made of Clyde Edwards Alaire taking a leap in 2021 as far as getting involved more so in the passing game. I think this has been an interesting point of it as he reviews last year and just the fact that his offseason was all virtual, he ran through it again last week that was my first thing like I, I had my entire ota season you know pretty much off just to just to work out and then we came in fall camp and then i want to say like two weeks in i was i was named the starter so i mean every as far as as how much we were doing um you know zooms and everything it wasn't like i was behind on on the actual plays and i, I got drilled because everybody was telling me coach reed's um, you know, the playbook was outrageous. And I mean, I went out there and, and, and I performed, you know, that's why, that's why I got drafted where, where I did. And, 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 you know, as far as my football IQ, he, he, he put me in a position because he knew that, you know, that I'll go out there and perform. So, um, you know, that was, that was just it. But now just having this year to be able to go out there and just, 
you know, I, I miss football. I feel like that's the that's the biggest thing. You know, having having OTAs, everybody's kind of like, you know, one way or the other. But just to be out there with the guys, man, this is this is what I do for a living. This is this is where I get my joy. So, uh, you know, it, it felt good to be out there. You think about a dual threat back entering the league with a team. I mean, you would want as much repetition as you could possibly have. And the fact is physical repetition didn't happen for the Chiefs and, and Edwards Alaire in year one. And like, I always go back to this. Let's not forget he had 1,100 yards from scrimmage as, mm-hmm. a, as a rookie. And I just think the hype was so much from a national standpoint on these shows. And I, I think there's a fantasy football aspect to it that it felt like a letdown because, he, you know, you expected him to produce even more. But this has been a talking point and the Chiefs really haven't been afraid to lean into it. And I think a big part of it is, okay, we were actually able to install some things in the offseason for Edwards Alaire. And that even bleeds into the greater point of like, this is why the, the teams really like having these off seasons in person, because you can start to install things ahead of training camp where training camp becomes initially more of a review than having to start fresh. And you could hear it in Edwards Alaire's voice. You could tell he's determined and he's a lot more comfortable, it seems, going into this training camp than last training camp. Well, of, of course he is. You know, because he's he's had more exposure to things. He's had an opportunity to work on it on the field, which he didn't get to do last year. But I think there you 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 touched on this, Pete, and I think that one of the things that as Chiefs fans we have to remember um, is that our expectations are skewed pretty badly because of Kareem Hunt. You know, no one expected Kareem Hunt to explode and be such a right. big player in his rookie season, and so we've set the bar pretty high. Uh, for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and and I and I agree. I think that 1,100 yards uh, from scrimmage in his rookie season is a, a, an excellent. If it was any, if, if without the Kareem Hunt backstory, we'd probably think that was fantastic. But uh, I think that there was an expectation that uh, the Chiefs, if they got a really good running back, would just immediately have the kind of domination that Hunt had in his rookie season. And that's a really high bar to meet. And I, I think that's kind of ruined our expectations on what to expect from a running back. Yeah, and let's continue off that point. If you really look at Kareem Hunt's season last year, there was a period of, I believe it was four or five games where Nick Chubb was out. And Kareem Hunt, who we thought was this golden goose, three or four yards per attempt, Mm-hmm. And I, so I look at it and I'm going back to Andy Reid and now I'm looking at Clyde Edwards Alaire and I'm saying maybe this is the year that we see that type of 1700 mm-hmm. yards from scrimmage explosion that we saw from Hunt uh, that rookie season where he was able to win the rushing title. Another point I just want to hit quickly on this. And this was something I kind of put two and two together when I was writing this up for our arrowheadpride.com last week. Greg Lewis moving from receivers to running backs coach might be more intentional than we gave it credit when they announced the staff moves. It, it's starting to really seem like, well, yeah, I know that Andy Reid really likes Greg Lewis and as do the players. Let's get him some more experience at more positions. This is how you build to potentially being what would be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, especially if you don't work with quarterbacks. Let's get him everywhere. But also in the fact that, hey, Greg Lewis played eight years as a receiver in the NFL. If anyone on our staff can help Clyde Edwards Alaire develop into this dual threat back, it's Greg Lewis. Right. And and I and, and you're exactly right. This is it, it, again, we're looking at multiple angles of this thing. You know, that this is the kind of thing that Greg Lewis needs in order to become uh, an offensive coordinator to move up to that next step. So that's true, but it's also true that he will be able to bring things to Edwards Alaire that another coach might not be able to. So again, we're looking at multiple levels of this thing and, and, and I agree with both of them. Let's go to Chris Jones and the defensive side of the football, oh the new edge player for your Kansas city chiefs. Uh, I came in the league originally a DN. Uh, I was just, unfortunately we had guys that um, excelled at that level when I came in as Justin Houston and D for So, you know, um, I waited my time and uh, thank God finally happened for me. This was the moment that I said, no, he's officially a, a DN because the way he spoke it is not someone who's going to be jumping out and in a rotational fashion. It's someone that is trying to learn the position. Now, 
We need confirmation from Steve Spagnolo. Uh, Steve Spagnolo is unafraid to call anyone out. We know that. Uh, I know that firsthand. Uh, so we're going to have to see what he says uh, during training camp. Um, but it really does feel like, okay, Chris Jones is finally getting his opportunity that he's asked for really since he was a rookie in this league. Put me at defensive end and watch what I can do as a pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, we're dealing with multiple levels here, and I think that's his perspective on it. But I'm still convinced that the Chiefs are going to want to move him around and uh, make him a, a chess piece that uh, that offenses are never going to know where he's coming from. That's more to me the kind of thing that Spagnolo does. And um, so I don't expect him to be a full-time defensive end. I, I think that's Chris Jones talking about being the main guy. Here's uh, where I – you might be right. And again, we'll see when the numbers come out. You, yeah. you do a great job with our snap counts. Here's where I disagree. I just think you look at the base of this defensive line, your best combination for base. Let's assume this Clark thing fizzles out and he is, yeah. he's regular. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Is, is Clark. It's naughty. It's Jaron Reed. And then it's Chris Jones. Like Taco Charlton isn't good enough to for me to take Naughty out of that mix. Do you know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. that's where I differ is I'm just adding up the totality of the skill of these players. Like, yeah. is there an edge player that's not named Chris Jones or Frank Clark that you'd want to put on the field in a base, for example, that is a better option than having Naughty and Reed in there and you know, is Jones coming off the field? You know what I mean? So that's where I'm the, the, the drop off from Jones as an edge guy to the next edge guy is just, Oh, it's just too much for me to, to remove Nadi off the field. And that's, that's where I think I fall. Well, that's based on what we know now, you know, sure. what, what's right. it going to look like if Tim Ward comes out there this year and is I or mean, Mike Dana looks like an yeah, animal or Taco right. Charlton yeah. right. has right. got his taco chain on and he's saying it's Taco Tuesday and we're, we're going to go. <laughs> I've, by the way, Taco, this is a side side note. No one in Chiefs history has ever embraced their name as much as Taco Charlton <laughs> to be at production day and to have a taco chain. Like just really leaning in, like you would think if your mom decided to name you Taco, like not, maybe you'd get made fun of in school. But he is the completely like the opposite. He's like, no, I love this thing. He talks about Taco <laughs> Tuesday when he's hurt last year. He said, nope, the taco truck is being repaired, which I like. <laughs> it's like another element of the name thing. I love it. Uh, I, I think he'll be a contributor for the Chiefs especially in the sense that it, it, we talked about before, if Clark ends up having to miss games, I'm excited for Jones on the outside. I, I don't think it'll be every snap. I mean, that's not what I'm saying here, but I am starting to think that that is his primary position. And instead he'll be kicking in as opposed to what we were saying originally, which was him kicking out. That's right. Awesome. It, it, and, and your point was right. And I think both things can be true right. that he could primarily be a DE, which is what he's talking about here, that he's finally getting an opportunity to be the, the main guy, the star of the defense, which is what the edge players are. And also being a guy that could be used in other places on the line when it matters for the, the scheme sure. that Spagnolo is calling. So both of those things can still be true. And you're right about taco too. I love the guy. I love that. <laughs> Our final sound from mandatory minicamp, and John, I'll let this play, and, and you could have the first crack. Tyron Matthew right. talking about retiring in Kansas City. You've been all over this 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 offseason for us. Here he is uh, on whether or not he wants to retire a chief. I mean, it, it's probably top of the list. Um, you know, it's been everything I've asked for. Um, and for me, I feel like I can play football anywhere. Um, but when you develop certain relationships with, with certain people, um, you know, these people become a part of your life. And so, you know, Coach Spags, Coach Merrick, um, Coach Reed, Coach Rubin, our strength coach, uh, all these men, you know, have been pouring into me. So um, I can't see me, you know, ever kind of walking away from from that relationship. Um, I've been through a lot in my life. And um, so for me, I think, you know, holding on to certain relationships, uh, I think that kind of outweighs, you know, any monetary thing, um, you know, uh, any short feeling or emotion I may be, you know, dealing with in the moment. You know, it struck me uh, listening to Matthew speak uh, last week, and it's kind of been the theme of this show. It's kind of proceeding on multiple levels. You know, on the one hand, he loves what he does in Kansas City. He loves the opportunities that he gets here. 
but he's also maturing as a man. And you could hear that clearly in his comments uh, last week when he talked about, uh, you know, being influenced by these coaches and how they've taught him as a man in addition to being a football player. And he's getting to the point now that he realizes that it isn't all about the money. You know, the money's great. If we can get a good contract, that's great. But it's more important that I continue to grow as a man. And I have that opportunity here in Kansas City where maybe I wouldn't have that someplace else. And he specifically said that, you know, I don't know that I can go to another team and have the same advantages that I have here. So I think it's, it's not only a question of whether he fits as a player with this team. I think it's also a question of, of what he wants to do with his life at this point. And I, I've, I just loved the way he talked because uh, it, it feels so good to see a player um, who has, you know, kind of had a, 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 a career where he's had problems off the field grow as a man and, and become a mature individual like this. I, I just loved listening to him. Yeah. To continue our, our theme of so many levels to this, I, I think when you hear him speak this offseason and how he's trying to tap into Charles Woodson and have mm-hmm. a as impactful a second half of his career post 30 as he did in his first half and wants to change his number next year, that number uh, 21 and and wants to wear that wherever he is in his 10th year, because he's sending a message to both. I, I think the outside world and himself that no, this second half is going to be just as impressive as the first half. He had mentioned the three teams thing. And this is someone who started with the Arizona Cardinals spent a year with the Houston Texans who wanted to retain him, by the way, but the Chiefs outbid uh, were able to get him. And then mentioning the coaches by name, you could tell he's really embraced the family. Mm-hmm. He sounds like a player to me who has told his agent now, look, I want to make my money, but let's bend to a point where make sure that I'm in Kansas City. I think this contract is still going to come down before we get to St. Joe or Kansas City, wherever training camp is. I think we can start to expect that it'll, it'll, it'll happen at some point. The chiefs are not going to let this player walk away. He's just too important to, I think everything that they do. And what I, I also think was really impressive about Matthew in this past month is how often have we seen players across the league and in Kansas city want a new contract and just, they don't show up. Matthew, He's going into the final year of his contract. He didn't flinch. He was at every OTA, voluntary, uh, available to the media. So we think he was at all 10 days. He was at the three mandatory mini camp days, still continuing to put his work in. And I I think that is a sign of good faith. If he really was feeling screwed and like this wasn't going to happen, I don't know if he shows up necessarily. I I would like to think so, but I think he probably feels like, well, this will actually... I think be a sign of good faith on my end as well that I want to be here. This is not something mm-hmm. where or the money matters more to to me than than being a chief. And so, yeah, I think when it's all said and done, he, he, when week one comes, he he's going to be signed long term. Yeah, I agree. And it's and it's going to be a contract that's fairly reasonable. I think it's going to be for a lot, of course. But you know, he's he's earned the right to get a lot in a contract. But I don't think he's going to you know, bend the chiefs over the barrel, you know, and, and I, I think you've got that exactly right. He's told his agent, yeah, let's make the money, but let's not make that the most important thing. And I I think that signals his growth as an individual uh, and, and, and ultimately as a player as well, because that's what he considers his job to be is to be an example to other players on the team. I love this guy. I, I just, I just love this guy. And, and, and I, felt even more so after listening to him talk last week. And it's a young room. I think you're going to want him happy going into the season. Yeah. You know, you look at the other players mm-hmm. in their early 20s in Traverius Ward, DeAndre Baker, Juan Thornhill, Jarius Sneed, even Mike Hughes. You're going to want that guidance from Tyron Matthew, and you're going to want a happy camper headed into the year. And I think it makes the Chiefs better, ma- making sure that he feels like he has the faith and the confidence of the franchise to continue to play for years to come here in KC. All right, that is the quotes to know from Mandatory Minicamp. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to wrap up with a segment called Surprise Cut and Lottery Winner. Stay with us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, it is the June 22nd edition of the program, and we're talking about a surprise cut, which 
by the way, is a 2020 player who made the 53 who misses this year and a lottery winner. We've talked about lottery tickets a lot at Arrowhead Pride, which are typically undrafted free agents who have a chance to make the roster. So let's talk about the good news first. John, you can provide us with your lottery winner and tell us why you feel that way. Well, I'm mostly just having some fun with Andy Reid here. But uh, when I read uh, Zane Anderson's information, uh, when, I, when I first looked into this player, I thought, this is Dan Sorensen. You know, this is, this is exactly the kind of player Dan Sorensen is. And so I think he is a guy that they have brought in uh, with an eye towards eventually having a player like Sorensen on the team. That is a guy who is uh, capable to be used in a lot of different ways, is an ace on special teams, um, and has the attitude that Sorensen has. You know, we can argue about how athletic Sorensen is, but you love having guys who have his attitude on your football team. Um, he may not be the big star player who can make those, uh, you know, every play the way a player like um, Matthew or Sneed does, but he's going to be a guy that's going to be there. His head is going to be there and his heart is going to be there at all times. And I think there's a coaches love to have those kinds of players. And I think they see a guy like Anderson as a guy they need to have uh, after Sorensen rides off into the sunset. And, you know, honestly, that could even be this year if this player turns out to be as good as they hope he is. But I personally think Sorensen will be around for another season. So it may be that there isn't room for him on this roster this year. He could end up on the practice squad. But I think this is a guy that the Chiefs have high hopes in. Yeah, I think practice squad floor, I think he's going to be within the organization from yeah. the things that I have heard. It's like a baby Dan situation at off-season workouts where Dan Sorensen has just taken him under his wing already and is showing him everything that he's done. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, Dan was an undrafted free agent. Like people forget right. that. I mean, talk right. about Dan Sorensen because they like to make fun and he's going to be the cut or whatever like that. This is an undrafted free agent who's now been here, what, for seven years in the NFL. Yeah. So just a tremendous job. If there's anyone that is going to mentor someone who's an undrafted free agent, why not be Dan Sorensen who profiles to be a very similar player to him? My pick is Devin Key out of Western Kentucky. Uh, this player is six feet, 208 pounds, uh, profiles as like a box safety with a lot of athleticism that could develop into a really versatile piece, which to me, versatility is the, the key. He, in an interview, has said that he profiles his game after Jamal Adams. That is one of the better players in the league. And, but you like that intensity and that mm. fierceness. And here was the clincher for me, John not afraid to play special teams and it is a guy that's familiar with punt coverage. So he has done the gunner position and he has done the protector position. Uh, So if you have a willingness to play special teams and now you're in a battle with uh, veterans and Armani Watts, who hasn't shown enough, I think in recent years to merit necessarily having a position on this team um, and Will Parks, who's also in the mix. If you're talking about a fourth safety who can play special teams and potentially be a gunner for you, especially the idea of Antonio Hamilton is no longer on this team. Mm -hmm. I think Devin Key, especially considering the reports were that he got more and more reps as minicamp went on. I know it's only three days, so it'll be something to monitor in training camp. I think he's a really good chance for a a player. Remember the name, as they say, the key, major key, major key alert, Devin Key out of Western Kentucky. uh, Well, I think you've made a a solid set of arguments there, Pete. I think that's, uh, you know, it's easy to forget how much being good on special teams matters on this team. And it does. So I think that's a, a good, solid argument there. All right. We've, we've named our lottery winner. Now I'm going to go. Wah, wah, wah. Who is your surprise cut on this team? I think uh, for me, it's uh, Nick Kaiser mm. because last season, the chiefs carried four tight ends on the roster. And I don't think they can afford to do that this year. They got so many players that they need to deal with on the offensive line. I don't think they can afford that luxury. And I think with um, Blake Bell and now Noah Gray, they can get what they need with three players. Yeah, I do the 53-man projections for us. Uh, won't be for a couple weeks here. But from my initial projection, you know, sometimes it just depends on training camp. I think I only did one or two last year because we didn't have training camp. But um, from my initial, whether, whether it's 3.0 or 4.0, 
my three tight ends, I'll tell you right now, are just going to be Kelsey, Bell, and Gray. Uh, Kaiser had some opportunities, albeit limited last year, and was a point of jest for Chiefs fans with dropping footballs and, and things like that in key spots. I just, I think the Chiefs end up moving on from Kaiser and we'll see if he can catch on with another team. Sorry, John. I hate to do this to you, my man, but my, no, pick, my no, pick is Darwin Thompson. No. Uh, <laughs> Clyde and Daryl are on this team. I think is your one and two. I have heard that Jarek McKinnon is standing out. I think there's a reason that he was asked uh, about at the previous press conference and the fact that uh, he can do uh, a lot for this team. I think he's got a ton of upside. He's got veteran experience and he's done it prior to injury at the NFL level. And not that I don't like Darwin. You look at the rest of the room and Elijah McGuire and Derek Gore. I just look at the rest of the team. There's a lot of offensive linemen that you could potentially keep. You could keep a seventh receiver and 11th offensive lineman. You have a fullback. We know Andy Reid likes to keep a fullback in Mike Burton. So really, it's a combo here for me. I think McKinnon emerges, but I also think in the same breath, it's just a numbers game at the other positions. I think you you can make a case with receiver and offensive lineman to keep an extra body this year. And if you're going 25-25, don't forget there's three specialists. I just don't think that leaves room for what would be a fourth running back, which is where I project Thompson to be. We're actually making the same argument here. Yeah, that we need roster right. spots elsewhere besides these two positions, and that's going to mean that somebody who you know has been a contributor in the past, although not a big one, uh, there's just not room for him anymore. So I right. agree. Yeah, and I think there are situations in the league where I think Thompson would be better suited, and I'm talking about. I'm just trying to think of something that comes to mind. Like let's say Tennessee. And I, I know that they have some backs behind Derrick Henry, but in a room where a bruiser, more like a Daryl Williams type of back is your, your lead back. Darwin Thompson, I think somewhere else could factor in as like a change of pace style. I don't, sorry, John, I don't think Darwin Thompson is a, is a starting running back in the NFL, but I think he could be a role player in a room where yeah. in a better situation where you could get a handful of snaps. He can come in, be like that relief pitcher in the third quarter where, oh man, Darwin Thompson's in the game. He's got some burst because he hasn't been worn down since the, the beginning of the game. Just the, the size to me is a, is a fit for, for that style of role. Well, let's be clear. You know, I've always understood the reality of his situation and yeah. his skill set. Yeah. I just like the guy. That's he's a all. great, he's a great quote. I mean, don't get me wrong, as a media member, whew, I wish that Darren Thompson was Adrian Peterson. He's uh, he's willing to say whatever. Right, uh, right. But uh not the case, unfortunately. All right. So that wraps up our Arrowhead Pride editor show. We went through the news, we went through all the quotes that we thought were important from mandatory minicamp and named our surprise cut and our lottery winner ahead of camp. I do want to note. So we are going to take a week break. I'm looking at the calendar right now. We will not be having a show, I don't believe, until coming out of what will be 4th of July on July 6th. So we'll be skipping June 29th. And the next time you'll hear for us on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show is July 6th. It's time for us to get away a little bit, get some R&R if we can. But we can't wait to be back with you then. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Please leave us a rating and a review and stay tuned for our Arrowhead Drive coming up on Wednesday, followed by the Arrowhead Pride Out of Structure podcast, where the boys will answer your questions from Chiefs Twitter. For John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show.